Back to left corner to Aguila. Aguila the left circle. Passing to yell. A shot. Save made by Al Aguila. Rebound. Another shot. They score! The Blades win it! Yeah, baby! They score! And the sea of red erupts. Flames talk starts now on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Here's Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson. Okay, here we are. This hour underway on a Wednesday, March 22nd. Wes Gilbertson of Post Media and Steinberg from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Flames Talk on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. First time Wes has been in with us since Monday, and here we are 48 hours later. And so we were getting ready for the show, and we both remarked how it feels like Groundhog Day. And when it feels like Groundhog Day... It can be difficult to come up with new, fresh ideas and topics to talk about. But then it kind of dawned on me, that really is the story. The fact that it's been Groundhog Day for what feels like two or three months now. And it's frustrating loss followed by good look and win and then rinse and repeat and rinse and repeat over and over and over again. Saturday bad, Sunday good with the out-of-town scoreboard. Monday bad, Tuesday good. 5-1 win in Anaheim, but they're kind of running out of time to break this pattern. They've got three weeks exactly until the regular season comes to an end. They've got 10 games exactly until their regular season is over. The runway is getting shorter to break this pattern, and they, I guess, continue the pattern on Tuesday. They get their doors blown off in L.A. They take the bus ride to Anaheim. And they go in and blow the doors off the ducks. And here we are right back again. And and what's crazy is, honestly, I guess they're slightly further back than the last time that we spoke on Monday. Because on Monday, they were four back with a game in hand. Now they're four back with even games played. And honestly, we're kind of in the exact same place with this team that we have been for the last number of weeks. Not done. Everything's still on the table uphill climb like really nothing has changed in the last few weeks it just sometimes they're six out sometimes they're three out and here they are they're four out the only place i would disagree with you is i would add a third option to the box of chocolates that's been the 22 23 calgary flames and that you mentioned loss where they get their wheels blown off or, or don't look very good they have heartbreaking losses, which we've seen more than our share of. And then they have the wins that you mentioned. Last night was an, another one where, yeah, it's not a great opponent, but you did exactly what you're supposed to do against a team like the Anaheim Ducks. Full, yep. full marks last night, and yet 23.5 hours after maybe the worst game we've seen out of them this season they come home just as sort of confounding as when they left. And you're absolutely right. They're they're running out of time to sort of break out of this good, bad, good, bad, up, down, up, down. Yep. And, and the longer it goes, it favors the Winnipeg Jets or maybe the Nashville Predators. We talk all the time, right, about how difficult it is to make up ground in this league. We say it all the time. And we've seen it. Because they're 
what points in seven of their last nine? Do I have that right? Five, five, two, five, and two, two and two yeah, so in their last nine. nine. That that's the sort of run that you'd normally take, and yet you're right. It's Groundhog Day, and they're sort of right where we were yesterday and last week, and and even the week before that. And and I uh, yeah, they absolutely are full marks for the win in Anaheim. They were the better team from start to finish. They led from wire to wire almost. 37 seconds in, so they they led for 59 minutes and 23 seconds on Tuesday night. And yet, I come away from that game, I, I don't buy a ton into it. Because, yeah, that was a very disinterested 29th place team that if you didn't win, it would have been light your hair on fire stuff if we weren't already in that type of category. I guess the only redeeming quality, not the only redeeming quality, but the best quality of the win Outside of the fact, yes, they were supposed to win and they won and you move on, you take the two points and and good for you. The the thing that I think would be most positive would be the fact that they did not just wave the white flag after Monday's loss. And and that was what, I don't know if I thought it was going to happen, but it was what I was worried about. Sure looked about. like it, didn't it? Well, and with all of the discourse that was surrounding the team and Monday night, Tuesday morning, afternoon, the fever pitch when it came to the the Daryl Sutter conversation had had really been reached and and it had been kind of the most vitriolic that we have seen to this point. And you just wondered, geez, if because I don't know, I don't know if they've quit on the coach as a group. I know that's one of the very common refrains out there from the outside. I don't know if it's true or not, but you wondered after the eight two loss, you're like that was alarming. No pushback, no fight with that much of an opportunity in front of you and you go out and lay that type of egg, you're like, okay, well, if, if that, if that suggestion is accurate, oh boy, what is Tuesday in Anaheim look like? And, and so I guess the positive would be is that, okay, they're not just rolling over and waving the flag, right? They were supposed to beat Anaheim, but at least they went out there and as the better team put the type of effort on the ice that you'd need to pick up the two points and win convincingly. After Monday in Los Angeles, there was only two ways the trip could have ended. One would have been, meh, you went, you got one out of two, you beat the team you were supposed to beat. And the other would have been disaster. Yep. So so they come home at meh. You couldn't do better than that after Monday. The way you, whatever you want to say, the, the way... You just laid an egg in Los Angeles. This was the best case scenario coming out of Tuesday. Yeah. It was sort of, okay, same position. But I I think what you're saying, and if I'm right about what you're saying, I'm agreeing with you. It's hard to put much into what we saw last night because of what we saw the night before. It's kind of where I'm at. And at the very least now, because they, they did come out and, and play better and, and beat up on a lottery team and did what they were supposed to do, you can, I, I can at the very least say I buy as much into Monday. Like, if you're, if you're going to sit here and tell me, well, Patty, they found it. Tuesday, they're back. They're back, and now that's the team that we're going to see for the rest of the year. Uh, no. I'm not ready to buy that anywhere no. close to that. But at least I can say I'm buying as much into Tuesday's win as I am into Monday's loss. And and you know what? Sometimes you just get blown out, and maybe that's what Monday was. 
and sometimes you just beat the tar out of a um, out of a really poor opponent. Mm-hmm. And so, isn't isn't it inexcusable? I'm sure you talked about this for two hours with with Pike and Vickers yesterday, but isn't it inexcusable what happened on Monday at this point in the season? I yes, I was very alarmed. Uh, about what I saw on Monday. Yeah. I was quite alarmed about the circumstance, 71 games in, and you have that type of effort. I, I was quite alarmed at that. For sure I was. But at the very least, it it was it didn't carry over into the next game. And that that I was actually, for the first time, I was really concerned about that. For the first time, all those texts and all those suggestions that the team's rolled over or the team has quit or whatever. I, I, I was worried about it for the, you know, actually like, okay, what, what is this? What is Monday's loss actually mean? And is that more of an indicator knowing what Elliot had said about Nazem Kadri and, and the relationship there between him and Daryl and what we've been talking about all year, it feels like with Jonathan Huberto. And it just, I was I was concerned going into Tuesday, so at least they didn't turn it into a bigger issue. Yeah, I think that's fair, and and this is this is the reality. <laughs> Monday we talked about the roller coaster. Well, this this is the reality of riding the roller coaster. They come home, they've got ten games left. They're in the exact same position. We're going to be talking about tomorrow against the Vegas Golden Knights as a must win. You're going to hope Anaheim looks a whole lot better than they did last night when they host the Winnipeg Jets tomorrow. And then the roller coaster continues. I I think the one thing that hasn't changed, the one maybe constant on the roller coaster for me is I still believe this is coming right down to the bitter end. I don't know if that's game 82 or, or maybe it's just 81 or 80, but I just think this roller coaster ride continues for another two plus weeks. Now it's I'm curious as to because I do too because Winnipeg has shown next to no signs of wanting to nail that door shut. Like they have not really wanted to. Hey, this playoff spot is ours, and you're not taking it. We're we're gonna look yeah, not like seeing a lot of that. They just barely snuck by Arizona on Tuesday night at home. And now they go out on the road and they've got Anaheim and San Jose on this trip. You're like, okay, those are winnable games, but are winnable games really all, I mean, we've seen it enough with the flames, the jets and the flames are in so many ways, the same team top players maligned and not being able to take care of business against the teams that we all feel that they should take care of business against. Like they've mirrored each other over the last number of months in so many ways. The only difference is the jets were, able to get out to that great start and build themselves a better cushion than the flames do. And so they're the team protecting and the flames are in the worst in the spot where they're chasing, which is worse than protecting. And the flames have the hardest path, to the playoffs, at least standings wise uh, compared to the rest of the teams they're fighting. Seattle, Winnipeg, Nashville all have clearer paths in terms of what it would take for them to get in outside of the strength of schedule conversation. Yeah, and I I always focus on Winnipeg, not because I necessarily believe that it's heads up between the Jets and the Flames, the Nashville Predators. Hey, credit to them. We keep waiting for them to go away after 
all the moves they made at the deadline to sell off pieces after the injuries have mounted the way they have. We keep waiting for the Nashville Predators to just sort of tailspin out of the playoff picture. It's not happening. At least not yet. Mm -hmm. But I, I look at the Jets just because I think you kind of focus on the team you need to catch to get into that position. And the trouble now for the Calgary Flames is you're four back. Essentially, though, with the tiebreaker scenario, you're you're going to need it to be five. And so if the Winnipeg Jets just play 500 hockey the rest of the way, suddenly you need to go seven, two, and one or some combination like that. And that's really tough based on what we've seen out of this team. And the Winnipeg Jets, and maybe less so the Winnipeg Jets doing it to the Calgary Flames as much as the Calgary Flames doing it to themselves, they're running themselves out of real estate to get yep. those points. You know, I, I I think we need to be talking about a team that tries to be too back when they go to Winnipeg for that game. Now, something we haven't talked about, and, and this is too far in the distance, that Winnipeg scenario could not be worse for you. You play at home the night before. Yeah, it's a back-to-back. You jump on a flight to Winnipeg, a place where you've had rotten results over the past few years. But if you can be two back going into that head-to-head game, you have a chance to really put some pressure on them. Again, as I said earlier, I'm not saying the Nashville Predators are out of this, but if you're the Calgary Flames... You just hone in on the Jets right now because that's the team you need to beat. Are you, I'm curious on the text line where you are at 960-960. When we last spoke on Monday, you were like, this could get really interesting. And oh my goodness, if they win tonight on Monday, you know, they're two back with even games. Like this, this could get really, really interesting down the stretch. Are you less optimistic 48 hours later with the two games that we've seen Winnipeg wins their game. Like has the optimism level or interest level or whatever word you want to use. Has that changed for you? I, I was flabbergasted by what we saw from the flames on, on Monday, Monday night. Yeah. And so I certainly am not more optimistic about their chances. You, you covered it off quite nicely earlier that the, the jets are allowing them to hang around. I'm I'm sure if you tuned into sports talk radio in Winnipeg, there's a whole lot of you know nerves going on there. There there's a lot of consternation. They're as, having the same conversation as they should here. be, right? But they're in the driver's seat. They're yeah. in the spot, and so I just I, I I sort of sat in front of the TV on Monday night, shaking my head, thinking, "What what am I watching here? What what is this team?" acknowledging the opportunity that was in front of them. Like what, what is happening? Yeah. And so, yeah, if you, if you wanted it on a scale one to 10 optimism today versus Monday, I I think I was probably more optimistic going into that Jets game, having a chance to go into a building and get within two to use your game in hand. Yeah. The way that they frittered that away even though they rebounded nicely last night, certainly I don't think anyone could be more optimistic than they were heading into that game in LA. Yeah, and I I think you know at at best I think that the um, 
the win against Anaheim kept me where I was, right? Like I was definitely less optimistic after the LA loss. And I remained at that same level of less optimistic after the Anaheim win. I didn't go back up, but I didn't uh, necessarily go down further. How's that? That's probably the way that I would describe it best after, after beating Anaheim. Yeah. And that, I think this is where everybody's going to be for the next two and a half weeks. You, if you're the Calgary Flames, you need help now. You really need help on yep. the out-of-town scoreboard. And you need to continue to, at worst, play at the clip that you've been playing for the past nine games. And maybe, like, they, they just went, I, I realize they have 10 left, and I'm talking about a nine-game segment, but they, they just went 5-2-2 two, and two in nine games. Yep. And they're where they were. And so... Let's say you can go 6-2-2 two and two over these last 10. It doesn't get you there. So if they That's go, the problem. If they go 6-2-2 two and two just based solely on the math, and we, um, we assume that they need to be higher than the Jets in standings. 6-2-2, two and two, that would be 7-6-5. Uh, so the Jets would just have to go 5-5. Five and five. And they would win. They would make the playoffs. And if the Flames win six two and two, yeah. that's the scenario right now because Winnipeg's elimination number eight and a half or seventeen points, and it's probably sixteen points when you count in the tiebreakers that Winnipeg has. Winnipeg's got the regulation wins tiebreaker by four, and they've got the regulation overtime wins tiebreaker by like nine. So because Calgary has had so many problems winning games in sixty minutes this year they're on the back foot even more. So it's a four-point gap, but it's probably a five-point gap when you count in tiebreakers. And so 6-2-2 two, and two would be awesome, and the Jets would still only need to go 500, and that would guarantee them to get in. And I'm sure the text line right now is filling up with, with people whose glass is not half full saying, yeah, I, I don't think they can get in, and I'm not criticizing that stance at all because... You know, if you gave me 20 bucks and said, <clears throat> excuse me, in or out, I think smart money right now would be out is on out. Yep. Um, you know, if if you're sitting at home saying, yeah, no, guys, what are you, what what are are you, you even, talking what about? What are you guys? talking about? Like, no, they're not getting in. We're talking about a team that has not won three consecutive games since the calendar flipped to 2023. Yep. You have to go back to early December for their last three-game win streak. You have to go back to the very start of the season for their only other three-game win streak. And so, yeah, I'm hearing the right things out of the room in terms of their belief that they can pull it off. And yet, doesn't this feel for you like so many of these seasons that we've covered where a team was chasing, 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 saying, nah, we... We believe, we believe, we believe, and then you run out of runway. Yeah. That's that's the risk that the Calgary Flames are sneaking up on. You can't have games like Monday. You can't have losses, period, and you certainly can't have games where it's like, oh, my God, do you guys want to be in the playoffs? Yeah, and that's what it looked like on Monday for sure. Oh, it was awful. Uh, on the text line at 960-960, as we uh, take a look at where uh, some of our listeners are who are listening live right now. Uh, This from Grant. The Flames are treating their fans like a hot person who keeps stringing someone along 
who thinks they're hitting the jackpot only to find out two weeks later they're in the friend zone. Sucks to be you, loser. Hey, don't why are you why are you why are you telling everyone my life story, Grant? You didn't you didn't need to do that. Um but yes, I, I, I understand the analogy. Like you're like, oh, huh, this person, wow, I'm really attracted to this person. <laughs> what's that? Oh, what's that? You're we're we're just going for coffee again. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and this is your boyfriend? Oh, okay. It was tough to be attracted to what you saw Monday, wasn't it? That that is very <laughs> Yeah, you were in the, uh, you got the ick on Monday. You're like, uh, you know, it's going to be tough to get over this one. Uh, this reads, uh, this team is so awful. They proved that Monday night just reset for the new year. That's from Cody in Calgary. Um, they This says the Flames from Mike, the Flames have been so annoyingly frustrating that they've actually forced me to shift my focus to the World Baseball Classic, which has been quite good. Yeah, it was it was quite good. Bad news, Mike. It's over. It's now done, Mike. <laughs> You're gonna have to find something else to <laughs> buckle in. Back on the roller coaster with the rest of us, Mike. Uh Dan and Cochran, the playoff race feels like a trio of turtles moseying to the finish line where a hare is waiting to take on the winner. Yeah, it sure does feel like uh Battle of the Keystone Cops here. You got the Flames and the Preds and the Jets, and nobody really wants to be that good. They're like, yeah, we want to. Let's just let's throw it into the into reverse. Let's all look over our right shoulder and see who can back into the playoffs fastest. That's what it feels like right now at the bottom of the Western Conference. And you have the Seattle crack, and now trying to make things even more interesting. By throwing their own turtle in reverse. Yep. And they they tried their best to do that on Tuesday. But Adam Larson saved them and got the two points. Um, This, uh, what else we got here on the text line at 960-960? Pat, yeah, I think it's done. Just too little too late. That's from Brian in Calgary. Mark in Country Hills. The boys have left too many points on the table. In my mind, it's the blown lead in Ottawa that's truly haunting Many others to think of, but that one rings out. Yeah, that one uh, definitely is. Uh, that'll stick out as a point loss for sure. Absolutely, it will. Uh, Cole says the Flames will not make it. I'm interested, but I just know deep down it won't happen. Uh, this says a couple years ago they got their butts kicked by the Penguins, and that turned their season. Hopefully that's the same this year. That's from Justin in Coventry. I responded to him on the text line. I remember that game vividly. It was uh, an early November night. Uh, I believe James Neal scored his first goal as a member of the Flames to break the Marc-Andre Fleury shutout and pull the Flames within eight. Uh, I believe the final score was 9-1 at the Dome, and that dropped their record to 5-5. Five and five. And yes, they, they lost their next game in overtime or a shootout to Washington, but they went on a really nice run otherwise. The problem is that was game 10 with all kinds of runway. This one was game 71, and you're starting to hit those markers on the runway. It's like, yep, time to crank that throttle or whatever they call the thing on an airplane. I don't know what it's called. Uh, but I yeah. was not anticipating a James Neal reference today. I believe that was his first goal, though. I think you're right. And it was a beauty. Woo, boy. You're right. Look, we all write home about James Neal's tenure in Calgary, and we definitely write about that goal he scored against Pittsburgh. One of the... True beauties that we've ever seen. Facing one of his former teams. Fired up. That's right. He was fired up, and he showed them. <laughs> ever. Um, Where is he playing right now? Is he still in the American League? I would assume so. 
I remember he took with the sh- Blues farm team. He took a shot at Calgary when he was at Columbus. Right, Canada. I remember that. Uh, now, according to according to Hockey DB, he has not played this year. Okay, fair enough. He had he had fourteen goals in twenty eight games with the AHL's Springfield Thunderbirds last year. Now you know. So that's where uh, that's where Jimmy the Gun is. The real deal. The real. His name is James Neal. That's for you, Jack Michaels, if you're listening. <laughs> uh, Robin Erdrie, one goal game losses, one point games left on the table. It would only be appropriate the Flames missed the playoffs by one point. Cameron writes. And can oh, I yeah. jump in for yeah. one second? And, and I, I certainly don't blame people who are hoping that they tumble and have a shot at Connor Bedard. If they lose by one like if they miss by one point, it's going to mean that game 81 and 80 potentially two mean something. Yeah. And personally, as the guy who covers the team and writes about them, that's what I'd like to see. I want to see Bryce Van Brabant, man. That's what I want to see. <laughs> There's another good pull. I did that. Should one we just... hockey DB him while we're at it? I don't think he's playing. I think quite he's a while. done. Uh, Matt and Airdrie, as the season's progressed, I've noticed this and the bubble season are eerily similar. Team coming off a great regular season, massively underachieving based on talent and projections. Team they're chasing, refusing to pull away, leaving hope for fans until the bitter end. Montreal that year, Winnipeg this year. Hopefully it ends better this year. And Montreal was like, you know what? We don't want to We don't want to pull away. We're just going to keep on losing games and... Uh, it, we'll just keep even you, those head-to-head matchups were like, ugh. it was just like, oh, there's a two-one game, and oh, there's a two-one game. Are these games even watchable? The answer to that question was no, they were not. Um, Wedley wonders if eight and two will get it done. That'd give them a chance. Eight and two would give them a chance. That would mean the Jets would have to go six and four, and that would get them in. Like this, the math sucks so bad. I think. Eight and two, depending on how many of those were in regulation, but eight and two, you'd still need the Jets to go five, four, and one. Yep. Yeah, the math is just that it it's always weeks out when you talk about how hard it is to to chase and climb in. You you sort of forget these conversations we're having right now, where it just feels like no matter what you do. You're not gaining the ground. Yeah, it's it. It is so hard at this time of year, and I hope they do. And I'm with you. I hope those final two home games against Nashville and whoever they end up San against Jose. San Jose, like you hope that those mean everything. Yeah, but also you're like, geez, this you got to squint to see it really happening with with how poor the math is and how little time remains. Um, the overtime losses are not talked enough about from uh, talked about enough for me. Fix that problem alone, and they'd be in. P.S. Pat, I'd never put you in the friend zone. Thank you for that. Um, and yes, the overtime losses will be one of the things that we... It's it's a double-edged sword because on one hand, it's the only thing keeping them in, and on the other hand, if they had just won like four more, we'd be talking about a tie situation, and, and it would look a whole lot rosier than it does right now. I, I was chatting with my post-media colleague, Danny Austin, maybe a week or so ago, and... and one of the things that we've done over the years, if the Flames miss the playoffs, is a sort of, you know, here's five games that they'll regret or, or that. five that got away. or 
you could go deep on that list this year, couldn't you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, just off the top of your head, you could probably rattle off seven or eight. You know, the the Ottawa game has come up already. The game that either game that you blew against the Blackhawks, you got one point out of one and zero out of zero the out of the other. The listless three one loss the other night at home to the Anaheim Ducks. I mean, those are just in the past two months. And there's more. There's a lot more. I can think of many. Yeah. A <laughs> um, few more. Uh, Brent, Brett in Southwest Calgary. I think everyone underestimates how much energy they exerted up to the LA games. Uh, game, rather. It happens in the playoffs where two well-matched teams end up in a game four lopsided game when one team hits the wall for a night, not justifying them being in this situation, but a bad game was likely to happen in this push. Uh, push rather. Uh, this says, um, this team is really frustrating. At this point, I'd honestly like their season to end and they can regroup for next year. That's from Chris and Thorncliffe. Um, Cameron says, I threw the glass at the TV on Monday night. Fair enough. Um, there was one. That, oh, Adam, my glass is now half a glass, and that half glass is half empty. Oh, that's that's really getting yeah, down to that's not great short straws. <laughs> yeah, uh, great stuff on the text line as always at nine sixty nine sixty. And quick shout out to the fan that mentioned Kenny Morrison. That's a great reference. That was Wedley again. Wedley does not miss. Great pull, Kenny Morrison. Refresh my memory on that one. College free agent signing, uh, defenseman. I believe I could be wrong on this. I want to say Kenny sm- spelled like the old premier from Lloyd Minster. Was there an EY in Kenny? Yeah, but oh. did not play an NHL game. No, no. College free agent signing. Western no. Michigan. That's right. I remember interviewing him in the intermission. It was late in the 14, 15 season when he signed, uh, played a little bit with the Stockton heat. Never really, uh, Never really gained any traction this year playing uh, in the second German league. Good to know. Wedley doesn't miss. Well done, buddy. Uh, okay, he's Wes. I'm Pat. We're underway this hour on Flames Talk. A reminder that AEW House Rules is coming to the Scotiabank Saddledome this stampede. Saturday, July 15th at the Dome. All Elite Wrestling is invading Calgary. Tickets available at Ticketmaster now. They're $36.75 plus fees and taxes. So uh, you can still get your tickets now via Ticketmaster. All the info at AllEliteWrestling.com. One more time, AllEliteWrestling.com. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Talking your team right now. Flames Talk is on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Time for a Wednesday edition of your Daily Flames Roundtable brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Enjoy up to 18000 delivery credit on cash purchases. The deal ends this Saturday only at Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. It's Pat Steinberg, Wes Gilbertson, and now the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills, to complete our Daily Flames Roundtable. Uh, Calgary picks up a victory Tuesday in Anaheim after Monday's loss in Los Angeles. And it was Dan Vladar in net, his first start since February 20. 8th, picks up his 13th win of the season. Not really tested a whole lot. That was a game controlled start to finish by the Flames on Tuesday. Uh, begs the question from me, 
And maybe it's uh, maybe it's a unanimous easy choice from the three of us. But do you go back to Jacob Markstrom Thursday against the Vegas Golden Knights at home? I do. Uh, I definitely gave it some thought after the game last night, but I, I think comparing Markstrom's last two games to Vladar's last game is a lot like comparing apples to oranges. I just don't think there are a lot of similarities. The Stars and the Kings are way better teams than the Ducks, and the Flames defensively were a disaster in that game against the Kings, and I would say not a lot better in that game against the Stars, but they were tight defensively against the Ducks last night. So, you know, we talked a lot about it uh, post-game following Monday's 8-2 loss to the Kings, that it wouldn't matter who got the start and goal against the Ducks if the Flames didn't, as a group of 18 skaters, play better in front of Jacob Markstrom or Dan Vladar, and they did. And they made Vladar's life a lot easier than they did for Markstrom in the last couple of games. So I would go back to Jacob Markstrom now if... Uh, he doesn't get off to a great start in tomorrow's game against the Golden Knights, or if that game doesn't go his way or the Flames' way, then uh, I think it's a conversation we should have again uh, leading up to Saturday's game. For me, nothing has changed about the fact that if this team is going to get in, it's going to be on the back of Jacob Markstrom. And for that reason alone, I would be going Jacob Markstrom Tomorrow, I'd be going Jacob Markstrom Saturday. I'd be going Jacob Markstrom Tuesday, even though he just got blown out by the Los Angeles Kings. I That team did not show up in front of him. I, I'd be more worried if I look at Jacob Markstrom's past couple starts. I'm more worried about what I saw in the Dallas game. But after a really good run, I'd just sort of forget about the last two again I'm not putting L.A. on him whatsoever, and I'm running him out there basically for the remainder of the season. Well, I, I would potentially play Dan Vladar in that Chicago game, assuming you need to go to Winnipeg and win the next night. But I, I think until their fate is sealed one way or another, it's Jacob Marstrom. For me, you... You made the decision to go to him, right? Like they, as as the final quarter of the season began, Daryl Sutter said we need Marky to get hot, and it was kind of this declaration that the Jacob was going to be installed and, and used as the number one again, and he responded to it, and he had eight really good starts in a row from that point forward. And then I did not like him against Dallas, and I, I and I thought as as the Dallas game went on. He was showing some signs of of not being at the same level he was in the the eight games prior. And then again, was he great against LA? Nope. Was he the sole reason why why uh, the LA game went the way it did? Nope. Uh, it, it I mean goaltending was was not really a thing in that LA game. It was just an absolute stomping in every way, shape, or form. So. He looked a little tired. He let in a couple of goals against the Kings, and he let in a few goals against the Stars that he wasn't letting in before. Some of the rebounds that he was sucking in or kicking out to good spots were all of a sudden now getting kicked into the slot or kicking on to opposing players' sticks. And to me, that's one of the signs of when Jacob's maybe not fully rested or, or at the energy level that you need him to be at. They rested him. He didn't play on Tuesday. Vladar did his job as the two. 
and you go back to Jacob on Thursday. To me, it, it's a it's pretty cut and dried what I would do. I, I think that's what they're going to do as well. I just think if, if you've made the declaration that you're riding Markstrom and he's responded more often than not really well to that, then you go right back to him after you managed his rest on, on Tuesday against the Ducks. Yeah, and I'm with you guys. And I do think that there was some fatigue there. Had started 10 straight games, had played in 12 consecutive contests. And I know that even if Jacob plays in every game between now and the end of the regular season, he's still not going to get to the 63 games he was at last season. But those were a little bit more spread out. Uh, His workload was lighter for a while, and then it got really heavy. And I do think that uh, he was a little bit tired. And you talked about his rebound control in the Stars game. I thought he looked small in the Kings game. But again, two games where the team wasn't very good in front of him either. So Mm -hmm. I'm definitely not hanging those two losses on Jacob Markstrom. But uh, now he'll have a bit of a break between games if he indeed does get the start against the Golden Knights. And uh, I... uh, Assume that he will, but uh, I've assumed wrong when it comes to Daryl Sutter picking his goaltenders before. So uh, we'll have to wait and see what things look look like at the morning skate tomorrow. I think even the fact that they left Jacob Markstrom in for the second period against LA is a hint to me that they they know that they're riding him as far as he'll take them. Yep. You know that it they weren't ready to wave the white towel flag whatever you want to call it in that game after 20 minutes at least from a coaching standpoint they weren't ready to take their starter out and say let's think about tomorrow in Anaheim but that just tells me that they're riding this guy they they have to and and you have to remember too and and we all like Dan Vladar and, and see a lot of potential there but when he got an opportunity to run with the ball it it didn't look great Jacob Markstrom has to be the guy you put your faith in over these last 10 games. Yep. Uh, Daily Flames Roundtable. Derek Wills, Wes Gilbertson, Pat Steinberg with you on a Wednesday. Uh, Nick Ritchie scored a big goal on, on Tuesday. And by doing so, immediately the Flames felt like, you know what? Uh, maybe things, it, it felt like, it looked like as soon as that goal went in, it was like, okay. Flames got off to a good start, and they scored after a really good shift. They're 37 seconds in. They're up one nothing already. They've done more good things than they did Monday against L.A. It just felt like that was a big goal, got them going, and they rode it from there. Third goal now as a member of the Calgary Flames. We've seen him in. We've seen him as a healthy scratch. I'm just, how do we evaluate the Nick Ritchie experience so far? Well, he got off to a great start in his first game, scored just under four minutes in, and... After that, didn't love him, didn't love him in the next few games that he played in, and we'll just flush the Kings game right down the toilet, as the Flames did last night. But in two of the last three games, so against the Stars and against the Ducks, he's been a good player for them. He's uh, scored in both of those games, stayed out of the penalty box in both of those games, and he took four minor penalties in his first four games with the team. You want to end up in Daryl Sutter's doghouse? Do that. Probably one of the reasons why he wound up being a healthy scratch. But uh, he stayed out of the box, and he's done something that not many Flames players have done enough of this season, and that's get to the middle of the ice in the offensive zone and get to the front of their opponent's net. He's probably been better at that than anybody on the team since he's joined the team. He's got the size to get there. 
when he has the will to get there, he certainly can do it. And he's got the skill to do something with the puck when he's in front of the net. And we saw that last night when he picked up the rebound and made a quick move to his forehand and shoveled it in. So, yeah, Nick Ritchie, I think, has been uh, a nice addition for the Flames. He has brought something to the team that I just don't think they had a lot of. A guy who's got size and skill and gets to the middle, which for me especially on a team that really emphasizes the importance of shot volume and getting pucks to the net from everywhere, parking lot, by surface, wherever. You've got to get to the net to screen the goaltender, tip the puck, pick up a rebound, create second and third chances. And, hey, Nick Ritchie's done that. Let me start my answer with with this, because because this sort of is the backdrop for for me on the roster decisions, I think that the Calgary Flames would be better off with Jacob Pelche in the lineup than Nick Ritchie. That that's the way I feel. I I feel like Jacob Pelche in the press box. He had the two nights off to get a look at it, but I feel like him being back in the press box gives you a weaker forward cast than you could have with him on the ice. But if you take that part away. I totally agree with what Derek just said in in the sense of good on Nick Ritchie for getting to the net. Good on him for using some of his size. You know, we weren't sure this has been a player who has not been consistent, has not been easy to predict through his career. And and one of the things that Daryl Sutter said when he first got him that struck me was you can't really play him on your fourth line. He needs to be in your middle six. Well, I think Nick Ritchie has shown he can play on the fourth line. He's been willing to get in there and, and get his shoulder pads scuffed up on, on the four check. He's been willing to get to the net and, and hang around for those garbage goals. He's done things that, and, and he brings that sort of heavy game that you can have on your fourth line. And so I, I think he's been, he's brought some value and he can bring some value in a fourth line role. That being said, if I loop back to where I started, I'd rather see Jacob Pelche in the game. I uh, it's funny. So sometimes we hear the term, you know, Bradfield Living will use the term as advertised when talking about a player. Nick Ritchie has been as advertised, and what I mean by that is he's shown us stretches as to why he's bounced around a bunch of teams over the last number of years and has not really been able to find that NHL fit despite being a high pick. And he's also shown us signs as to why he was a high pick and some of the good things that keep him around in the NHL. Like, he's kind of turned into a tweener. Like, you, you know that there's something there, and you know that when he's on, he can make an impact, but he also has not shown it anywhere near enough for him to get long-term contracts or a long-term role or turn himself into a core player on any team he's ever been on. So that's kind of what we've seen from Nick Ritchie so far in a limited sample size with the Flames. He's had some, like that finish on the the go-ahead goal on the breakaway on Saturday night. You're like, damn, that was was a confident skill finish. Like, good on him. And some of the penalties he's taken when he's chasing and behind the play and, and some of the soft plays he's made when you're, you're looking for a guy to put a puck deep and he kind of just kind of sh- heals it and shovels it in and allows a team to turn it back the other way. You want to rip your hair out. So he's been as advertised. He's been 
inconsistent and some when he's good, you like it. When he's not on, he can hurt you. And that's kind of how I'd evaluate Nick Ritchie's career to this point and how I would evaluate the first little bit of, of his time as a member of the Flames. I liked him against the Ducks. I liked that line against the Ducks. We'll see if he can do it again against Vegas on Thursday. And I also think that was Nazem Kadri's best game in a long time. Now, I'm not saying that that has everything to do with Nick Ritchie, who played on his left side, but maybe it does. Maybe having a guy who can do some heavy lifting and uh, take up some ice and, and get to the front of the net uh, is a formula that's going to work with Nazem Kadri and Dylan Dubé. We'll have to wait and see if that line stays together. As far as what you said, Wes, I'm not sure it has to be one of Nick Ritchie or Jacob Pelche. I think you could play them both. I'm not sure I need to see Adam Rajitska again, unless there are some injuries. He just hasn't done enough outside of that 24-game stretch where he put up 20 points, but it's been forever since he's had a goal or a point, and I just don't think that he's really a fourth-line type of player. So uh, if you're not going to play him in your top nine, probably don't play him. Uh, and then there's Milan Lucic, who was back in the lineup last night, thought that was his best game in quite some time. And it's what we saw from him the last time he was a healthy scratch in three straight games. He came back and he had energy. You know, he's a healthy scratch in two games, comes back last night and has energy. And actually really liked how the fourth line played in last night's game against the Ducks. I thought they were north-south and got pucks in deep and cycled pucks and did a lot of good things last night. So I don't know that it has to be Peltier or Ritchie, but just for the sake of conversation, let's say that it does. The Flames need players to produce at this time. And I'm a huge Jacob Pelche fan. I think this kid has such a bright future. But the reality of the situation is he has three goals in 23 games, and Nick Ritchie has three goals in seven games. Now, are Pelche's details better? Yeah, I think they probably are. And he's been really good without the puck, and he's done some good things with the puck. And uh, I can't remember if it was U.S. Or, or maybe Aaron Vickers who said earlier this week that you'd like to see, I think it was U.S., that you'd like to see Jacob Peltier play with a bit more confidence when he's got the puck on his stick and, right. and try to make some plays instead of maybe playing it a little bit too safe, which <laughs> I think we can understand why he would do that uh, with Daryl Sutter as his head coach. But, you know, Richie's been more productive. That, that's the bottom line. And if you're going to play a, a top-nine role for this team, I think you need to score goals and produce points, and, and he's done that. Smaller sample size, but I would say so far so good. But the, the thing with Richie is he's got to stay out of the box, and he can't be a liability without the puck. So... Uh, we'll see. Uh, I'm not convinced that you can't play them both, but I guess then the question is uh, who who comes out. Yeah, I think you're probably right that you can play both. I I I just need to see Nick Ritchie probably bumped down to that fourth right. line, which which I think he's shown he's capable of. And, and listen, you won five one last night in Anaheim. You can probably leave the lineup the same. It's just my opinion that you have a stronger forward cast when number forty nine is a part of it. Yep. But don't you think that if Pelche is going to play a top nine role, he's got to start to produce? Because it's been a while. Well, he's got to help you produce for sure. I, yeah. I, I mean, yes. Now, could Jacob Pelche have finished off the goal Nick Ritchie scored last night? I would like to think so. But yeah, you do need to see some production. And, and you're right. It's not one guy or the other. But I think Jacob Pelche is in your optimal top 12 I, I i do think the I production's agree. there yeah. now you need to see it yes but 
You know, he does a lot of other things that I, right. I just wouldn't necessarily be taking him out. Yeah, I love his details, and I think he should be in the lineup as well. The one thing I do wonder about with Peltier, guys, when you go from the AHL to the NHL, players are bigger, stronger, faster, more skilled, more consistent. This is a better league. There's no doubt about that. And he's not the biggest guy. He, he's 5'9", 170. And I do wonder if there's maybe a bit of, bit of wear and tear on him physically and mentally this is an everyday league we've heard that for years so you know Jacob Pelci one of the great things about him is how much energy he brings to the team both on the ice and off the ice and I think his energy levels have dipped a little bit of late and and I think Daryl Sutter said the same thing either earlier this week or late last week so uh, if he's at the top of his game he can be a, a really impactful player even when he's not scoring goals and producing points but I do wonder if uh and playing in the best league in the world has caught up with him a little bit because he, he's not the biggest guy, and there will be more, more wear and tear on him in this league than there would be in the AHL. Thank you, Wilsey. Okay, guys, have a good night. He is uh, Derek Wills. He's Wes Gilbertson. My name is Pat Steinberg, and that'll wrap us up on our Daily Flames Roundtable. It's brought to you, as always, by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. The final days of 0.99% or up to 18,000 credit on cash purchases ends this Saturday only at Mercedes-Benz Country Hills.